welcome to Bridgerton Fancast, a podcast about Netflix's biggest show yet, Bridgerton, at least in our opinion. And we're its hosts. I'm Michelle. I live in the States. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Musings. And my name is Rita. I live in England. And I'm at Rita Bites on Instagram and Twitter. And technically, that's not really an opinion, by the way, Michelle, because it's uh, <laughs> it was watched by 83 million people in its first month out, making it the biggest debut show of Netflix's history. Holy crap. Okay, then not opinion. Not opinion. It's a Has, fact. Or, there are no alternative opinions, no matter what Trump might <laughs> try and spin. <laughs> <laughs> This week, we're going to be discussing the sixth episode of the season. But before we begin, I'm yet again asking you not to listen to this podcast (laughs) around children. I mean, why would you? This is not a child-friendly show. No. Really, just if you're in any situation that could be embarrassing to you, please, headphones, people. Because we'll be talking, frankly, about the sex scenes, the many, many sex scenes in the show. And we mm-hmm. will also be discussing the issue of sexual assault and consent, which can be very triggering, I know. So only continue if you feel comfortable with that topic. Okay. You ready, gang? Okay. Episode six was called Swish, which when I saw that, I was like, huh? It was written by Sarah Dollard and directed by Julianne Robinson. And if you can't recall the episode's events, you're in luck because it's time for a recap. A very detailed one. Don't <laughs> <laughs> worry. Uh, the episode began with Simon and Daphne arriving at Cliveden and immediately bouncing on Daphne's introduction to the staff so they could go have sex, just as you do. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Back in London, and the whole ton is gathered at some random garden party, including the Bridgerton and Featherington families. Colin takes this opportunity to announce his engagement to Marina. Penelope is unsurprisingly devastated. But so is Violet Bridgerton, who Anthony realised had no idea that Colin was engaged. Anthony (laughs) is forever a mummy's boy, so he is furious! This is what comes of not sowing your wild oats. Proposing to the first chick you set your cap at. Enough! You insult me and you insult my intended. It is not my fault, nor Marina's, that you cannot fathom true attachment. Anthony is like, you're still a frickin' child and I will not give this dumb marriage my blessing. And yas, (laughs) Anthony! Yas, finally! (laughs) He's finally got it right for a change. Yep, Cullen drops off like the child he still very clearly is. Back at Cliveden and Simon and Daphne are post-coital because, of course, Daphne is trying to tear herself away from Simon and throw herself into her duties as Duchess. She is very keen to foster a relationship with the very prim housekeeper. Anyone who has read or seen Rebecca knows you don't mess with the housekeeper. No, no, no. Remember, people? No, that is always a yes ma'am, no ma'am kind of thing. Mrs. Coulson then gives her a guided tour of the house and Daphne makes proclamations about what she will do, what what she will be redecorating, and gives the servants a day off to go to the village fair. This makes Mrs. Coulson, the housekeeper, do that closed-lipped cringe face thing that you perfect if you live in England for long enough. Anyway, the tour finishes with a look into the nursery, which is obviously a painful moment for Daphne. Meanwhile, Simon looks over the estate's accounts that seem to have been left in quite a state by the former steward, which is very convenient mm-hmm. um, and why he arrives late to dinner that night. Dinner is set up formally with each of the two lovebirds sitting at the ends of a gigantic table. <laughs> they find it super awkward to talk to each other, so they scandalise the servants by moving the chairs closer together. They then scandalise me by completely skipping their eight-course formal meal <laughs> I hope the servants get to eat the leftovers, because what a freaking waste. Uh, yep. Anywho, Simon and Daphne go running into the garden and start hooking up when a rainstorm starts, because, of course, which you think would <laughs> stop them, it would certainly stop me. With my hair? No thank you. Anyway, <laughs> a 
An instrumental version of Wildest Dreams plays as they run to a folly for shelter. They strip off everything but Daphne's corset and get down to business. Simon once again pulls out and Daphne, obviously still not all that knowledgeable about what is going on, asks him if that hurts. Oh, sweetie. (laughs) Sweetie. Oh, it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) We then cut to a sex montage. Sex in their bed, sex at a picnic. And everyone's favorite, Simon going down on her in the library. Iconic. Outside the library, the housemaids listen in and giggle, which is hilarious. After they finished doing what they're doing, Rose, Daphne's lady maid, has to brush out the sex hair. (laughs) They they end up giggling about how spirited their activities are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And Daphne confesses she's surprised that they can even have sex, given how Simon told her he can't have children. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Uh, back in London, Colin approaches his mother to discuss his engagement. She tells him she had no idea things were that serious. He accuses her of being too engrossed in Daphne, and we all roll our eyes because Colin legit proposed on a whim. Over at the Featheringtons and Penelope is hashtag done with Marina's bull and calls her out on her obvious manipulations. Oh, Penelope, you're just so pretty, Penelope. Oh, Penelope, you're such a good friend to me. Shut up. (laughs) Penelope tells her she does not condone her actions, but she can't expose her without bringing scandal upon her own family. So Marina has her reluctant silence. Mm. There's no rest for the wicked or mothers who have eight children to marry off. So Violet Bridgerton is already on Eloise's case about preparing for her debut. First things first, they need to lower her skirts to cover those very, very sexy ankles. (laughs) A trip to the modiste, it is. (laughs) Eloise suffers through it with about as much grace as you would expect. (laughs) (laughs) And while there, they bump into Marina and Portia, and it's so awkward, so awkward. Oh my god, yes. Portia is clearly over the moon at being permanently attached to the Bridgertons, and Violet is polite but unenthusiastic when they're invited around to the Featheringtons for a family dinner, and who can blame her? How sweet. Speaking of awkward, Portia tries to convince Madame Delacroix that the Featheringtons' debt will be paid off after the wedding. Delacroix is like, nah, I don't think so. Uh, Marina intervenes and tells her, in some very bad French, that she sees through Delacroix's terrible accent and threatens to expose her as a fraud if if the dresses aren't made. It works, and Marina is officially the bad guy. And, you know, she's been the bad guy. uh, She's leaning into it. Forever, forever. But, you know, this this is her... Fully stepping into the role. Back at Cliveden, and it's the village fair already. Daphne is given the honor of deciding a pig competition, but when she learns the winner gets slaughtered, she calls it a draw and disappoints the entire village. Some maypole dancing and some pies later, an old peasant-looking man who looks like he wandered off the Poldark sets asks Simon for his help. They've had a bit of a crappy harvest, and his father, Stuart, has tripled their rent. Triple. That's insane, people. Simon promises to do something about that. As they leave the village, they are accosted by a small screaming girl named Ava, who Daphne picks up and comforts. Simon is wincing. I'm wincing. We're all wincing as Daphne befriends the girl and her mother. After the couple leaves, they talk about how Daphne's abundant family will be good for one thing. Before they know it, they will be overrun with nieces and nephews they can spoil. You will be a splendid aunt. It thrills me that you are satisfied with our married life as it is. Just the two of us. I have all that I want just here. How did I earn such luck? That I do not know. I think I know the answer to that, by the way. You uh, let her think you couldn't have kids. And that's how you got so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, Uh back in London and the Featheringtons are preparing to host their family dinner. 
Portia makes Marina swish from side to side to check if her bump is visible. Luckily for her, everyone always looks slightly pregnant in a Regency gown. Yep. Dinner is as awful as you would imagine, with a stilted effort from Violet to get to know her new daughter-in-law and Anthony battling away any ideas of pushing forward the wedding. But dear listener, it gets way, way worse. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh dear, what can the matter be? Oh. oh dear, what can the matter be? Oh dear, what can the matter be? Oh dear, what can the matter be? Johnny so long at the fair. <laughs> this amazing performance is quite rudely cut away from uh, to watch Penelope and Colin. Finally alone, she tells him that she believes Marina to still be in love with Sir George Crane. Colin doesn't seem that concerned because he thinks he and Marina, quote, understand each other. Oh boy, who's going to tell him? <laughs> Marina interrupts them and Penelope leaves, still very upset. Marina lays on some spiel about never feeling like she truly belonged. I think Sir George Crane would <laughs> be quite insulted yeah. about that. And about how yeah. Colin's family doesn't approve of her. And Colin's like, well, who cares about other people? Let's run away to Gretna Green and have a quickie wedding. Which is exactly what Marina, an evil mastermind, planned for. Uh, all we needed was for her to twirl her pretend snidely whiplash <laughs> mustache. Meanwhile, back at Cliveden again, and Daphne wakes up in bed alone. She finds Simon in the office working. He has realized the lands have been mismanaged and throws himself into the responsibility of looking after the welfare of his tenants. While he is occupied, Daphne decides to give gift baskets to the villagers. She and her lady's maid go down to the garden and pick some lavender, which upsets Mrs. Colson, who doesn't deem it proper or some such nonsense. That was the most perfect lavender. I know. <laughs> I was like, you're just giving that out? Like, I know. Put it on display. <laughs> um, when Daphne goes to hand the baskets out, the villagers ignore her. The only one who will take one is Ava's mother who explains that the winner of the pig competition is traditionally allowed to supply pork to Cliveden for the year, and she snubbed a bunch of people who desperately need the money. She decides she needs to correct her mistake. Hashtag pure pig drama. <laughs> <laughs> when she arrives back at Cliveden, she asks Mrs. Colson to have tea with her and explains that her mother prepared her to be mistress of the house, but she never imagined it would be one so grand. She asks for Mrs. Colson's patience and explains that she fears the Duke isn't comfortable there. Mrs. Colson, to her credit, is understanding and explains to Daphne the difficulties of Simon's childhood and the strained nature of his parents' marriage and his mother's desperation to have a child. Everyone talked as though it was her fault, but how could they know that? It's not always the woman who is barren. Sometimes it is the man's fault, of course. Oh, dear. I'm afraid I'm speaking out of turn. No, not at all, Mrs. Colson. You were saying... Well, I said to the Duchess what my mother said to me. A womb cannot quicken without strong, healthy seed. Daphne's face when she hears the word seed is a picture. Um. Yeah. Back in London, and Penelope has faked an illness to get out of going to some dreadful dinner with her family. Instead, she sneaks into Marina's rooms to find the love letters Sir George wrote. She finds them all right, along with Marina's packed suitcase. She realises the obvious, that the last letter Marina received was actually a forgery. She tells Marina this when she arrives home from that night, but Marina declares that it changes nothing and burns all the letters. Cold. <laughs> Penelope asks her why her bags are packed and what she's going to do when Colin realises the baby isn't hers. Marina tells her that she knows no matter what, Colin would look after her. And Penelope is distraught for Colin because that does not answer what happens to Colin in this situation. Right. And mm -hmm. Marina 
finally realises Penelope loves him. I feel like this was so late coming that I wonder if Marina has any brain cells sometimes. (laughs) Marina tells her that her love is an unrequited fantasy and that Colin sees her as a sister. And I've read the book, so we'll see, bitch. We will see. (laughs) Meanwhile, over at Cliveden, and Simon has spent all day working and now it's dinner time. Daphne goes to find him in his new office and they end up having sex on his desk because we deserve nice things. I really loved that, by the way. I was like, sex on the desk! And it happened. He pulls out and comes on a hanky, which is quick thinking. But Daphne, having heard the thing about the seed quickening the womb or whatever earlier, watches him suspiciously. Daphne runs up to the servant's quarter and barges into her maid Rose's room and asks her to explain precisely how you become pregnant. Sad music plays over the couple's dinner as Daphne reels from the information that Simon can have children and to add insult to injury, She has served one of the pigs she didn't want slaughtered. That night, when they're in bed, Daphne pretends to be asleep to avoid sex. You know, like a mature adult. (sighs) When he wakes up, Daphne is gone, and we see her walking around in the rain in a depressed fog, which is a fun way to spend the day instead of talking about your issues with your husband, like, you know, you're supposed Mm -hmm. to. I mean, you know... Pneumonia is preferable to this? I guess so. I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, it's summer. She wouldn't have got pneumonia. She's just being dramatic. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) when Simon finds her that night, she is staring up at a picture of his mother, another woman who is desperate for a child. (sighs) Be careful who you idolize, people. Yeah. Anyway, he leads her up into their bedroom and they start to have sex on their bed. But this time, Daphne has this weird, hollow look in her eyes and she's sort of looking up to the camera. And at that real- and then I realized what was coming and I was like, no! <laughs> and she determinedly <laughs> flips him onto his back and climbs on top. And Simon, you know, seems to be enjoying himself. Until he realizes he's about to come and he's like, wait, wait. And she just completely ignores him and he comes inside of her. Simon looks betrayed. Understatement. Yeah. And even starts stuttering as he asks her how she could do that. And then she flips on him, telling him that he lied to her and took advantage of her ignorance. So she took advantage of him. Big yikes, people. You knew that becoming a mother one day, to have a family of my own one day, you knew that was all I ever wanted. I was prepared to die on that dueling field. Rather than marry you and take your dream away, I would have died for you. You were the one who insisted on this union. You told me I was enough. That was before I knew you. Do you know I even felt pity for you? Poor Simon, I thought how it must pain him to know that he will never know what it is to be a father. And I never asked for your betrayal. She declares that because he lied to her, that he couldn't possibly love her. Meanwhile, over in London, a weeping Penelope arrives at the Bridgertons as Eloise is having her nightly smoke in the garden and falls into her arms, sobbing. Lady Whistledown's next edition goes to print and is handed out the next morning. Violet gets her copy and shares it with Colin, who learns that Marina is pregnant with another man's child. And as Lady Whistledown calls her actions, Marina's actions, desperate, beyond the pale, and asks the audience, can the ends justify such wretched means? We are treated to a close-up of Daphne, who is all curled up in a ball (laughs) on her back. I mean, that's not gonna help, but if it makes you feel better about what you did, fine. Justify it by thinking you might get pregnant. You won't. Um, Yeah, yeah. So. So that's it, gang. That was upsetting. Mm Mm-hmm. It it really was. So I want to talk about Simon and Daphne before what I have dubbed the incident in an ode to a rolled Poldark fancast. Um, (laughs) call it the incident Um, because until that happened I was like really happy (laughs) me too Uh, you know and I I mean the at the beginning of the episode you know it was it was absolutely glorious (laughs) I was absolutely thrilled 
for her and for Simon and, you know, all of the wonderful <laughs> scenes we got to, to witness. But, you know, obviously you could tell that as she got closer and closer to realizing what indeed was happening, that, you know, we were going to be in for a pretty nasty fall. And uh, so, I the, I mean, the, the scenery was absolutely stunning. Um, the site where they had uh, Cliveden set was, you know, kind of your quintessential Duke's, you know, amazing. Palatial. Country, yeah, palatial uh, country estate, um, you know, with with acres and acres of field and flowers and animals and all of that stuff. It was just so wonderful, but you knew it was all going to come crashing down into what eventually wound up happening. I really enjoyed... Um... I guess seeing the size of that house, I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of insane that they're just going to live there, the two of them, in this gigantic house mm -hmm. by themselves. That would feel incredibly lonely. And I think that's something that mm -hmm. I didn't get from, you couldn't get that feeling from reading the book. So you have to see it to like go, oh yeah, this is a ridiculous idea. Yeah, and yeah. I really enjoyed watching them like <laughs> settle into like playing the Duke and Duchess and Mm -hmm. watching Daphne forge all these new relationships in her home mm -hmm. and screwing up with the pigs. I think all that stuff was really fun to dive into. And I think as yeah. viewers, it really helps to understand Simon and the weight that sits on Simon's shoulders at all times. Um, mm -hmm. Like that he is responsible for all these people's welfare. And like he was getting snappy yeah. and I was like, yep, yeah, fair enough. Um that's a lot of stress. Like he's under a, an immense <laughs> pressure at all times with the dukedom and the title. And I think it's not until he became the duke that he really started to understand, like that what his father went through. I don't think it he, it's justified, yeah. but I think he needs to absolutely not. But he needs to sort of understand the pressures his father was on to really come to terms mm -hmm. with what mm -hmm. what yeah. happened to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, what, what would happen if, you know, what would happen if he died without any children? Exactly. Uh, without a son to uh, carry on this work. I think there's a reason that these systems existed. I definitely don't approve of them. But I think, you know, if he doesn't have a child and it goes to some cousin who hasn't been raised by Simon to respect the title and to look after these people, those people could starve and become destitute yeah. and i think um that's also something you don't really understand fully in the novels i think that um, they're adding a lot of layers to this and i'm suddenly mm. sort of like hashtag team simon about a lot of this stuff because he has <laughs> just so yeah. much pressure but i mean what did he think what did he think was gonna happen <sighs> you know simon. i mean it's like i'll never have a child it's like uh yeah. I think he just yeah. he was very immature. Um, immature, he yeah. He hasn't thought it through. He just had a purely emotional response. It's very hard for me to judge yeah. these people because they haven't had years of therapy that they need to deal with their traumas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he needs someone to talk to about this because he hasn't. He hasn't. Yes. He just bottles everything in. Um, yeah. And that's also yeah. why I have, look, I have a lot of sympathy for the fact that that Simon used her ignorance against her and used mm -hmm. it as a way to not deal with his issues. Like, that would piss me off yeah. to no end. I mm -hmm. think he should have corrected mm -hmm. her when she assumed he couldn't have children. Like, he didn't say, I can't yeah. have children in a way that I, I, I immediately knew. Like, he doesn't want children. She, Her mind interpreted mm -hmm. it in a different way. Like, I can't have children. And he knew that, and he didn't right. correct her, and that's wrong. But I can make allowances for the fact that he's obviously still not a very comfortable communicator yet. Mm -hmm. uh, he hasn't got any close relationships in his life. He doesn't have friends or family to talk to about this. Mm -hmm. um, 
Daphne doesn't have that excuse. When she's upset, she knows to use her voice like a grown-up and confront him about Mm -hmm. it. Instead, she became really silent and moody Mm -hmm. and then assaulted him. Yeah. So I just, I was like, oh my god, I'm rooting for Simon in this. I just (laughs) am. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder, as we're kind of drifting into the 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 uh, part where we were going to talk about the incident, you know, I wonder if Daphne will ever understand the ramifications of what she's done. Mm-hmm. That she hasn't just, um, <clears throat> she hasn't just, you know, attempted to, you know, have uh, Simon stay in her long enough so that, that she can um, hopefully become pregnant, but that she's basically forced him into this situation because of her assault. And I know that there are going to be folks that, you know, are saying, oh, well, they, she didn't really, you know, blah, blah, it, no. <laughs> no. 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 This is, this is not a show where we excuse that kind of behavior and kind of wave it off as, oh, you know, she was upset. She just what? No, not going to find that here. I just don't think there's any excuse, no matter how you're feeling inside Mm -hmm. that kind of behavior. Nope, nope, It's like when people murder someone because they found someone out someone was cheating. I was like, okay, use your big boy (laughs) words and just say I'm upset. (laughs) Yeah, you know, yeah, that's really super upsetting. But you you. Don't do something like this. Um, and, Period. And, like, I'm really interested that you had that reaction because, mm-hmm. like, I think it's important that I, I I listen to how you viewed it because mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I read the books um, and I was sort of waiting for the shoe to drop with this relationship. Uh, I was surprised yeah. that it came in this episode, to be honest. And then when it happened, I yeah. was like, okay, I need to know everything about how Michelle feels. So, <laughs> was that, well, how did you feel uh, seeing it? You, you obviously weren't expecting it. Uh, yeah, clearly I wasn't expecting it. Although, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, uh, you could see it coming from a mile away. <clears throat> sorry again i'm sorry i didn't expect that joke <laughs> i didn't either but um uh given how much she wants to have children i think the instant that she discovered the the big lie that she was told i knew that something like this was going to happen and i i was just sick I was sick, um, you know, and I, full disclosure, I come from this from the perspective of uh, being, you know, I don't have children. That was a decision I made a very, very, very long time ago. You know, I, I am what folks would, what some folks would call child free or childless by choice or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so... You know, the, the thought of someone forcing that decision on me. Disgusting. Um, like, I feel sick thinking about just, it. Yeah, I am. I am. And that's precisely, precisely how I felt about it when I was watching it happen. Um, I was just like, Daphne, no, please, please don't do this. Don't do this. Oh, God, she did this. Um, so, yeah. Ugh. I think one of the things I've tried to sort of rationalize as i've watched the show um from the very first episode of the show i think they've really done a good job of emphasizing how her mother has sort of indoctrinated her into like you have to have a family you have to have a family yeah the only thing that will make you happy even when she was going to um marry nigel her her mother was like well you'll have children and they'll be your greatest joy just focus on your children and i was like Mm-hmm. That kind of that <laughs> sort of made me think. Well, it's just such an essential part of how she has been reared to mm-hmm. think that this is her only way of grabbing at happiness. She's been bet- yeah. betrayed by her husband, and she thinks like, "Well, this marriage is crap, but at least I can get a mm-hmm. child out of it." 
and it mm-hmm. turns her into an absolute sociopath where she's just very yeah. focused on the end goal and not thinking about how this might affect Simon. And that's yeah. really like, like I said, I didn't think about this when I was reading the book. I think the show is very good mm-hmm. at sort of expanding this universe and to explain how some of these characters might get to the point where they have. Um, yeah. And it's it's tough. Um, I have to admit that when I first read the book, I think I would have classed what Daphne did was bad. But as a reader, I don't think I was sophisticated enough to understand the severity of her actions. And I think that was mm-hmm. a reflection of the society that I was in when I read this. Um, I went back and checked, mm-hmm. and this book was published in the 5th of January 2000. So, you know, for context, that was, I think Bill Clinton was president. Yeah. And we were still doing that whole post-Monica Lewinsky phase where she oh, yeah. was being blamed um, for... What, 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 what date was that again? Uh, January 2000. Yeah. So... So, um, actually, yeah. Yeah. I think... I mean, I was a child when that scandal yeah. broke and... I totally remember everyone blaming her. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, we had, like, a really terrible <laughs> attitude to, like, coercive sexual relationships in general. Um, it was just very, mm-hmm. I don't throw this word around, lightly toxic. It was, like, very damaging. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to, like, blame myself or as, I guess, as collect us as a collective of readers for not reading this the first time and seeing this as an assault because I think we're all a product of our environment and I think that's probably why Julia Quinn the author wrote what she did in the book Mm -hmm. Uh, but ultimately I reread these novels last summer during lockdown and I was like oh my god (laughs) I don't remember (laughs) there was an assault um uh i remember i remember yeah. i was so uncomfortable with this scene that i actually started to cry um oh. i'm not gonna cry today don't worry but okay. i was All just right. so uncomfortable with the material but also with myself for uh-huh. like the stuff that i let slide and yeah i had a few of those moments throughout the reread actually so don't expect this to be smooth sailing going forward in this whole series a few of the other books have troubling aspects and characters do and say some things that we're just not comfortable with now. And perhaps the TV version will choose not to do that. But I think for the book, the Duke and I, they didn't really have... Well, they didn't really have a choice when adapting it. But to stick to this mm-hmm. plot point because it's such... It's like inevitable. It's such a yeah. pivot point and... A moment of growth for both characters and mm-hmm. i'm really hoping that the next two episodes delve into this a bit more substantially than the book yeah please please let's just not have a all of a sudden everybody is okay about this and you know we live happily ever after that's that's probably my biggest fear yeah me too is that it's going to be something that it is glossed over and um you know we get it addressed um, I think, you know, and I think that was one of the things that concerned me when we had, you know, the, the incident happen in Poldark, um, in the, the series. And, you know, that happened with two episodes left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, oh God, how are you going to wind up pulling all of this together in, you know, 120 minutes? Though I will say the last episode is a bit longer than an hour. So we're having like yeah, two and okay, a bit hours good. to resolve this. Good. So maybe that's why uh, the way I remember it happening in the book is much later. But I may be wrong about that. Uh-huh. And it does get resolved too quickly and you feel really uncomfortable. Um, uh-huh. But by having it done in this episode at the end of it, I was like, oh, that's really soon. But. Maybe they need to do that because if they don't, then you just go straight from rape to reconciliation, and that is uncomfortable. Right. Um, yeah. Though yeah. I have to say, yeah, it's actually slightly worse in the books. Oh um, God. Um, in some ways, actually, it's worse, and in other ways, it's better. Um, and by that I mean like 
in the books, Daphne doesn't like sit there and stew and then make up this plan that she's going to assault him like she does. And when she realizes that what what happens, she instantly confronts him about it, and they have this huge argument. And mm-hmm. Simon goes off to get drunk. Of course, because that's where he sells all this. Yeah, and is going to exactly. get drunk. Very in character. He comes back though. Um, yes, and they do. This. She's like trying to get him back into the bed, and he's trying to like apologize, and he's all drunk. And then they they sleep a bit. Um, and then when they wake up, uh, Daphne realizes that he's hard. Um, and then she like climbs on top. Oh, and, yeah. No, um, and no, he, no, to, to be clear, um, he definitely is awake <sighs> enough to realize uh-huh. what's going on. And I think there is consent. Um, but it just, it just makes things so much murkier oh. when you add in alcohol. So I'm glad that they took that yeah. aspect out of yeah. it. Thank but I, God. But I, I did too. feel like when that happened in the book, it was more like. She hadn't planned for it like she does in the show. I feel like she was sitting there staring at his mother going, how do I get a baby? How can I get pregnant? Mm. And she comes up with this idea. You know it as soon as they start having sex, like something's wrong. Um, and to me, that's mm-hmm. almost, as, almost as bad as the the alcohol. Yeah. Like You can't plan for someone to be drunk like that, you know? Well, people can oh, yeah. nowadays. It's called roofies. <laughs> oh, the fun different um, ways you can get assaulted. I know, right? I know. Oh God, it's it's a mess. Speaking it's of a mess. mess, let's talk about something less depressing that makes me want to jump on. Oh God, please, thank uh, you. But it's still you. a little thank bit you. depressing. The Marina Colin Penelope triangle. Yeah, gosh, I thought that the the again Penelope knocking it out of the park. Every single week. We stan. Oh my god. Totally stan. But yeah, it was it was really sick to see how that was spinning out and to see how conniving uh Marina had become. Clearly that trip to Cheapside <laughs> sh- shook the work. girl up. <laughs> It was heartbreaking. I wanted to smack Colin upside the head for being such an, a, a doofus. And I wanted to smack Marina upside the head for being a doofus <laughs> with teeth, I suppose. is You know, I mean, she she went into this thing with Sir George, you know, kind of un, if not unknowingly, then unwittingly, assuming that. This would all work out in the end, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, oh, God, it turned her into this cold, calculating... Psychopath. Yeah. You know, willing willing, willing to fool a, a decent man into thinking that this child was his. But then also to finally know why Penelope was as upset about this whole thing as she was and basically patting her on the head and said, Oh, well, you know, he doesn't see you that way. He sees you as a, as a sister as, you know, that kind of thing. And just to continue along her merry way. Um, Oh, Marina, you get the black hat award today. I was really curious about why Colin hadn't told anyone is in his family about the engagement. Probably because in the back of his head, he knew it was a ridiculous idea. Yeah. And that nobody was going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. How much younger is he? He's 20. Oh, God. Yeah, of course. He's an infant. I think if he was really in love and serious about this, he would have made an effort to get the two families together earlier while he was mm-hmm. courting. But mm-hmm. he didn't, I think, because he's not actually <laughs> that into her. Um, I think he's using i there was just something about his argument with anthony where i was like oh he's just doing this to make himself seem more grown up i think he just uh, he wants his brother to take him seriously and i think this is his idea of being a grown-up which is insane like you don't (laughs) propose to the first girl you meet and you're like no this is this isn't how you do it (laughs) no no 
his behavior is really really adolescent you know when anthony was calling him a child i was like yeah this is exactly what a kid would do he would be like take me seriously and my love how dare you um if, yeah. if he was really a grown-up and had loved this woman he would have just done just gone and married her he wouldn't be like sniffing around begging people like hey can you approve of my marriage like like come yeah. on Colin. um and also just like i really really want to slap marina um, when she oh was like, God. oh, oh, he doesn't, he sees you exactly as you are, and he thinks of you as his sister. <laughs> I was like, um, I hate you. And also, yeah. I uh-huh. don't think that that is actually true. Mm-hmm. There was something about that moment in the hallway where yeah. he was just very, like, sweet and um, loving and respectful, and he just, the way he was like, oh, you're worrying about my heart oh you're just the best penelope i was like oh he he's put penelope on a bit of a pedestal as well i think yeah um yeah yeah he's he doesn't know that he's into penelope but i think he is like the way he grabbed her hand i was just like why would you be touching her unless you wanted to um <laughs> so yeah um i think marina is spewing some nonsense and i think there is something yeah. there and penelope isn't crazy don't cry penelope don't cry it's gonna get better <laughs> it's gonna be better it really is at least i hope so please read it tell me that it gets better. it gets better Penelope is a queen. Thank God. She will make it better for herself. Oh, thank God. Um, thank God. So that yeah. was um, one of my favourite scenes. And then also mm-hmm. um, Eloise and Penelope's reunion um, when Penelope was oh. crying. Oh, I cried too. Oh. I was like, Penelope! <laughs> oh, God. That was so heartbreaking. And you just see poor Pen. You know, she hasn't had anybody to talk to about this. You know, her heart is being chipped away by this snake that resides in her own home. And when she finally sees uh, Eloise, oh, she just breaks. And I loved um, Eloise's, like, hugging her because she's sort of doing, like, this bemused, like, why are you crying? What? (laughs) like expression Mm -hmm. she was hugging her she was just like what what's going on i don't understand i will hug you yes but then you need to explain (laughs) (laughs) exactly because i i I am confused um but that was that was wonderful i mean i think you know if you'd asked me while i was watching the episode you know obviously those early scenes of them frolicking around the the house and the property were just delightful. But, you know, once you realize what's coming, um, you know, that the, the scenes were painted. It was like, it was like a doomsday clock <laughs> was ticking down until we, we got to the, the last part. But, um, I thought that, <laughs> I thought the dinner was entertaining. Yeah, I thought the dinner was very entertaining. Um, and did she have some of those basket weave, ridiculous bullshit things going on in her hair too? Was that a thing back then? No, I don't think any no? of the hair things are 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 period accurate. Literally, almost nothing. Nothing about the hair or the makeup or the costumes. I mean, mm-hmm. every time I see Daphne take her clothes off and it's like the wrong underwear, I'm like. Okay, deep breath, Rita. (laughs) (laughs) It's very pretty. It's aesthetically pretty. It's really pretty. Um, But no, no, not accurate. (laughs) I think the thing that made me the happiest that I've Mm -hmm. rewatched a billion times is Prudence singing. It's one of my my favorite things I've ever seen or heard. And also, um, when I was rewatching it, I realized the piano playing is completely out of time as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Philippa! Oh, it was it was an absolute cacophony, um, <laughs> and um, it it was you know for anybody that that uh, knows uh, who's a musician who knows how to sing, it is incredibly difficult to sing off key like that. Every it, phrase was off key. She wasn't just like, yes. It wasn't just like ah. one one line at the end, like how I, when I'm off. No, the, the 
whole bloody thing. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. And looking at all of the expressions on the faces around the room, it was just oh like... <laughs> when they cut oh. to Anthony, I nearly peed myself. <laughs> he just looks furious the whole time. He's like, why am I here? <laughs> why have you made me do this? <laughs> oh, my lord. For all you uh, Downton heads out there, um, mm-hmm. Bessie Carter, who plays Prudence, is the daughter of Jim Carter, who of course played Mr. Oh. Carson. So we've got oh, two generations of funny <laughs> <laughs> period drama actors. Oh gosh, I didn't know that. I will have to, to pay closer attention because he was, of course, one of my very favourite uh, characters, uh, uh, you know, as as he was to basically everybody. <laughs> He's like so, the dad you didn't have because nobody's like that, <laughs> and you really mm-hmm. wanted. Um, yeah, I loved him. Um, I was actually like really quite happy for Portia Featherington in this episode. <laughs> she was mm-hmm. just so she was thrilled in absolutely every scene. She was like, "We're going to what's her faces for dinner." And she only invited me now that there's an engagement. She's just like <laughs> lording this power over people. And wow, it's she was even like sort of nice to Penelope. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I just look. I just looked up. Um, I I just looked up Bessie Carter. Is she Imelda Staunton's daughter too? Yeah. Doesn't she look? Wow. Like, when you see it, don't you see like both of their faces? I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can. I mean, she very strongly resembles her dad, but mm-hmm. wow. She's very is... tall like her father as well. It's like Oh I'm, my god, yes. I would love that. Oh I wish I was tall, I could reach things. <laughs> oh, but no, that's that's delightful. I also that's love delightful. that that scene where the <laughs> the feathering t- Featherington girls are gossiping and Philippa completely forgets that uh, Colin's not the father. And she's like, I clean forgot. And giggles. Oh, oh my god. That's just, I love the Featherington so much. Uh, they just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> but oh lord. Um, so, least favorite scenes. You know. Have we pretty much discussed the one? Yeah, there was one. Um, yeah. But other than that, I thought this was actually, like, every scene was good. Like, there wasn't Anthony mm-hmm. banging on the door of anybody this week. I was, nobody had an orgy for no reason. <laughs> I was like, every scene makes sense. Well done. Um, same here. Um, I thought it was an incredibly beautifully well done uh, episode, um, even as distressing as it was. I think... Um, <laughs> I think I've, I've I've seen a lot of interviews about um, how they perform the sex scenes as well and having an intimacy coordinator. And I think that that really, like, it really shows on screen, like, that these actors trust each other and they know what they're doing. Because some of that stuff, <laughs> especially when they were out on that folly screwing in the middle of the night, I was like, A, you must be yes. freezing. And B, like... <laughs> They are very naked. Um, uh, yeah. It's such a brave thing they've done, and I'm so happy that they felt safe and comfortable doing it, and it really showed on screen. I hope that going forward that they continue to use that same coordinator because I think it really does help. All of the shows that mm-hmm. I've seen in the past year that have used one, I think they used one for normal people. And there was another show, um, I May Destroy You, which there were both BBC productions that had them. And um, I May Destroy You has a lot of um, assault scenes. They're like different gradients oh. of assaults. Um, and every time an actor talks about how much safer they feel in, with having one on set and like coordinate, coordinating it like a stunt, I'm like... Mm-hmm. I feel like I can enjoy this this like media and this show more because I don't feel like oh I wonder what it was like to shoot is the actress okay like I don't mm-hmm. I don't have that weird twingy guilt in the back of my head that I sometimes do watching yeah. some some stuff that is like made for men where you'll be like why is why is why are we having a close up of this woman's butt for no reason? Um, yes, you're completely devoid of that when you're watching the show, which is so 
refreshing. Yeah. yeah. I I am very appreciative of of that. Thank you, Shonda Lane. Thank you, Shonda. Performer of the episode. Uh, for me, it's Nicola Cochran for making mm-hmm. me cry. She made me cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she was fantastic. Um, I thought that despite how troubling the the scene the scene um, was, I thought that um, reggae and um, I thought reggae and uh, Phoebe did a really great job. <clears throat> Excuse me, really great job with with the material. Um, this oh my week. god, when Simon started stuttering, was I was like, "Oh god, yeah, that's a performance." Yeah, that. Ugh, yeah. Oh god. So yeah, um, those would be my two. In addition to Nicola, I think I also have to mention um, the actress that plays Marina. Um, I think her name is Ruby Barker. Yeah. I was thinking about how, yeah. like, yeah, I don't like this character, and I haven't liked her from the beginning, but I think it takes a really talented performer to sort of telegraph that from episode one, that you just feel slightly mm-hmm. off about Marina and what she's capable of. And yeah. I felt that all along, which is the sign of a really great mm-hmm. actress, actually. And I think she is mm-hmm. doing really good work on this show. And she's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, damn, I hate her. <laughs> Yeah. That scene where she's, uh, her hair, she, um, her hair is killing me. It's amazing. But this, the, the, when oh. they announce the engagement and she's wearing that beautiful yellow dress, she's wearing yellow. She's yes. got Penelope's man. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I want. Uh, go away. <laughs> but I am looking forward to finding out what happens. Um. Because it was like, oh, as soon as this hit uh, Whistledown's report, I was like, oh, shit, just got real. <laughs> what is she going to do now? Because she's desperate. Oh. Uh, there's nothing she can do now. I think she's going to try and worm her <laughs> way out of this and be like, I'm not really pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> be like, wow, okay, that'll be an interesting, uh, that would be an interesting way to play this. <laughs> okay, so how many Bs yeah. out of five would you give the episode? Five. I mean, same. Five. It's it's really yeah. weird giving giving the show a five, given how uncomfortable mm-hmm. I am with this plot point mm-hmm. and that it even really exists. But I'm like five. It was still great. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, as you said that the scene the scene was was different in the the book than it was depicted in the show. You know, I think that you have to give a show top marks when. They have been as thoughtful about the content as they clearly have been, and uh, I'm I'm just tremendously impressed with how they are moving this story forward. You know, we'll we'll see if that that if that high regard stands as we move into. The last two episodes. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's, it's tough to talk about because I think so much of how this storyline plays out and the consequences of this yeah. is, is so important to like how I feel about it. Um, it needs to mm-hmm. stick the landing for it to, yeah, it to work. And it, in the middle, yeah. so far, I think it's working. Um, if they go off the rails um we will be talking about it i guess oh because you know we will it's be talking very about hard it. to land but i think this might be the harder part of this storyline yeah shooting that scene yeah. is hard but i think <sighs> make making a sympathy <laughs> uh-huh. sympathize Art. daphne again mm-hmm. is it's gonna be toughy that's gonna be yeah that's gonna be tough so, okay all impact. right so we got some stuff in the inbox this week. So thank you very much. Um, Sunshine Daphne. <laughs> when I when I rewatched that part, I realized that Daphne's dialogue after the scene actually reflects Simon's circumstance. To be honest, it was him who trusted her more than anyone else. She is the only woman he fell in love with, after all. You took advantage. You seized an opportunity. Girl, you were the one who did all of that stuff you said. <laughs> Was the dialogue uh, script made in such a way 
that it was supposed to make us think and realize the fault in her situation? I'm not sure. But as Julia Quinn said in a recent interview, if you put yourself in Daphne's shoes in that society, what would you do? I guess I did understand her. She was naive, didn't know what sex was all about, and she felt betrayed because of Simon not-so-smart choice of words. I can see her reasons, but what she did was still wrong. What were your thoughts? Sunshine Daphne, I hope you have enjoyed hearing our 60 <laughs> minutes worth of thoughts regarding the the this situation. And I think um, that's, it's like yeah. a great observation about the dialogue because um, I hadn't really thought of that. Mm-hmm. So I went back and rewatched it and I definitely agree that in some way she is sort of projecting yeah. mm-hmm. and I do think it's intentional talking about the, doing the recap um, and Lady Whistledown talking about Marina like there's a huge like emphasis on on Daphne being the one that she's talking about and I think um, that's a, a thousand percent intentional um, from I think they've thought about yeah. it um, unfortunately how something is framed and how it's received by audiences are very uh, different. I've seen a lot of tweets being like, she raped him! This show completely forgives her! And like, I'm like, "Mm." I think how it's framed is a huge part of how we see it. And I think a lot of people are probably seeing Daphne as an assaulter on purpose because they have framed it that way. And these things aren't accidents. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, thank you, Sunshine Daphne, for for writing in. Uh, Really appreciate hearing from you. So we've got an email. It says, hello, hello. Well, first things first, since I missed writing in for episode five, can I have a quick rant about Cressida? (laughs) Feel free, (laughs) old bucket Mm hair. The woman made a severe miscalculation. Mm -hmm. Bitch, you were winning either way. Daphne, if she married the Duke, was out of contention for the prince. If she didn't, you could talk and ruin her. Well, by the way, the prince already left for Prussia, so like Mm -hmm. she already lost. Um, If she didn't, you could talk and ruin her for the prince. Either way, you've won. But you had to go and poke the bear, and now you've made a potential enemy of a duchess. Bad move, chicky. Anyway, on to Simon, because I have a lot to say about our Duke. First, let me have a quick shout-out to Simon for obtaining enthusiastic consent from Daphne on the wedding night. Do you want me to stop? Was asked <laughs> twice to make sure she heard him through all the lust in her brain at that moment. Also, have to give him props for keeping Daphne informed of the proceedings. While she might have consented, she would likely have been confused when the pain started, so he kept her informed. I make note of this now because he fails especially at this in episode 6. Can't and won't are two different things. Can't implies that one would if they could and as he is willing to die rather than marry her and deny her children, he gives the impression that he cares enough for her not to hurt her by taking away her dream of a family. So obviously he cares enough for her to want her to have her dream, just not enough to actually give it to her. Yet Daphne cared enough for him to abandon her dream when she thought Simon was unable to have children. The girl saved his life by giving up the one thing she wanted. So, the Simon we had at the end of episode 5, the one who sought clear consent before preceding the one who informed his sexual partner of what was going to happen, turned a 180 and deceived his sexual partner. I'd have felt violated and taken advantage, uh, advantage of just like Daphne. In 2021, this would be a huge no-no. And just in case we are unsure, let's consult the source material. In the book, Simon calculates how he will deceive Daphne at the dueling field. He considers how he will tell her of his inability to have children. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. That being said, in the book, Daphne herself calculates how to trick slash coerce slash force Simon into completing inside her. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess they're both manipulative. I do like that they changed that in the show. Anyway, sorry this was so long. Keep up the amazing work. Your fan, Als. Um, Ooh, excellent and true points. Yes. Um, Yes. He did, like, do a shitty thing, but then... She retaliated by doing a shitty thing, and it's like, so, oh. 
<laughs> shitty, shitty thing does not cross out shitty thing. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you do. Can you just have a conversation? <laughs> yeah, please, please. Oh god. God. I will say, like, throughout the series, Daphne has been very good at confronting, like, mm-hmm. her brother and Simon when she feels like hard done by, and then this time she was just like. Nope, I'm gonna sit here and silently stew. <laughs> <laughs> stew, plot, and scheme. Yes. Ugh. Oh gosh. Okay, so our next episode, the penultimate episode, is called Oceans Apart, and the description reads as follows Amidst accusations of lies and betrayal, a rift forms between the newlyweds while a deception of another kind could be smirch the family name. I think we all know who we're talking about. Wow, that gives us absolutely nothing. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, okay, we know. That's we know, kind of where we we're at right now. But you're not giving us any kind of tidbit. No tidbits. What are you anyway. most looking forward to in the next episode that you're about to watch? Right now. Um, <laughs> um, I am looking forward to seeing just how muddled this is going to get before it turns right. Before they attempt to resolve things. When Do you think they'll be like reconciled by the end of the episode or the next one? No. 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 I think there will still be things that they have to work through. Um, by the end of the episode two hours (laughs) yeah yeah um i'm i'm if they are resolved by the end of this episode i'm going to be very disappointed we'll just put it that way i don't see how they could be like um i'm just also wondering what the central conflict of the episode will be but then maybe it focuses more on the marina fallout could be could be because you've got to have like a big like dramatic thing at the center of each episode right yeah well you know that the marina situation is going to be crazy dramatic i know because i mean polly walker just walked into the room holding whistledown's pamphlet and radiated radiated her fury just by walking into the room I would never want Polly Walker to look at me like that. I would be no! like, I'm scared for my No, safety. never, ever, ever. No. I also um, hope we see some Lady Danbury because she wasn't, there was no Lady yeah. Danbury. I miss Lady Danbury. Yeah. I'm betting that we will see a little bit of Lady Danbury because, you know, Simon, like it or not, you know, that is his basically surrogate mother. She's going to knock some I sense think- into him. I think that he will go to her for some level of comfort. So I think we'll see some of that, which would be nice. I just don't want to get into a place where Simon ends up having to apologize for not wanting children. um, Because I feel like, um, I think in his case, he does want children and he's just not Mm -hmm. allowing himself them. But I'm also just like very uncomfortable with anybody having to do that. So I want that not to happen in next week's episode. Yeah. And I also want to see more like Penelope gloating that Marina screamed. <laughs> I just want Penelope <laughs> to be like, Oh, you're gonna marry like, him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's your exactly. boy now? <laughs> exactly. Ugh. I I I am I'm ready to see Penelope not in a distraught <laughs> a state which she's been in for the last several episodes. Uh, hopefully She's Eloise will and... be like, come on girl, we going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we we go we go we 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 gonna we gonna do some retail therapy. Yes. Okay. Um so that's all from us this time. We'll be back next week recapping and discussing the seventh episode. And I have to say, with each passing episode, I grow more and more distressed that the show is gonna be yes. ending soon. <laughs> I know. I know. Until then, please follow us on our social medias. We are at Bridgerton Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at BridgertonFancast at gmail.com or go to our message page on Tumblr, which I have completely forgot to make anonymous. I'm sorry, guys. It's anonymous now. You can just. <laughs> 
you can come say whatever and um please remember to subscribe rate and review because it really helps us reach a larger audience thank you all for listening and we will see you next time bye bye bye